Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. This will ring a familiar bell in the hearts, probably mostly of men, but a lot of women here too. Just hear me. Freedom! Right? Listen, anytime I get a chance, I'm going to do it. You know this. Give me a war movie. Give me Mel Gibson. I'm there. Okay? This movie, Braveheart, it ends. He's on, he's on a table. He's given his life. And, 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 and he yells. This is his last word. Freedom. Now, here we are, United States of America. We think we know something, a thing or two about Freedom. Yet, we are in just as much bondage as any nation that there is. And I have prayed that someone here, at least one person at the end of this day, will experience freedom. The passage we're going to be in today is one of freedom. So God, open our eyes, open our hearts that we can see awesome things from your word. May we, some of us, for the first time in our lives, be free. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man that he gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. So here we are. Jesus, for the first time in his life, announces his death and his resurrection. This is, indeed, the greatest news that you're ever going to hear in your life. 
but I don't want you to miss it. It says, and he began to teach him that the Son of Man must, if you write in your Bibles, just underline that word, must. When you see that word must, it needs to draw your attention to a sovereign God, a God who is in control of everything. We teach that to your kids right now. They are learning that God is in control of everything. So here, the Son of Man says he must suffer. That should draw our attention to a sovereign God who will indeed have his will be done. No one will ever stop it. He must What must he do? He must suffer many things. He must be rejected and he must be killed. It had to be done. And what is the Son of Man talking about here with his disciples? He's talking about the cross. Because it's the cross and him being lifted up on a cross that will draw all men to himself. That's what John 12 says. And I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. And Jesus teaches this and he doesn't just teach it. It says that he teaches it plainly. In other words, this is not a parable. This is not anything that would have confused the disciples. They knew what he said and they did not like it. So we're not just going to look at Peter here who took Jesus aside. Peter was just the spokesperson for the disciples. They did not like what they just heard. Peter took Jesus aside. He rebuked Jesus. Why? Peter was offended. See, Peter and the disciples had something else in mind. This is the Messiah. Culture thought things should go differently than the way God said that it should go. Are you catching this? The culture here in this passage are Peter, all the disciples, the followers of Jesus. It wasn't just the 12. Listen, people were around and they heard this. No, 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 no. This is not what Messiahship was supposed to be. Culture thought things should be different than the way God said it must be. Not much has changed, huh? We'll touch on it. Peter takes Jesus to the side, begins to rebuke in verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus sees this. Peter's rebuking him. He's like, they all, they all think what Peter is thinking right now. And turning aside and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now I'm like, man, listen, Peter just heard that Jesus is going to die. He's going to be rejected. All the junk. And Peter's like, man, I, lo- I love you. Like, no. It seems kind of harsh, doesn't it, of Jesus to be like, Satan? Like, he's just being a great friend, it seems like. Like, why was Jesus so harsh? Well, let's go back to a familiar scene. You guys remember when Jesus started his ministry and, he, and, and the Spirit drove him to the wilderness, right? And there he was, for 40 days, he didn't eat. 
He fasted, he was being ministered to, and, and then he was tempted by Satan. Right? Turn the stone to bread. I know you're hungry. Turn this stone to bread. You have the power to do that. Right? That was the first thing he told him. And the second thing, hey, j- jump off of this temple. God will save you. You put on a great show. Come on, they'll love it. And Jesus is responding with Scripture. But it's the third one. When Satan takes Jesus out and he, and he shows him, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, just bow down to me, and all this is yours. All the kingdoms of the world, just bow down to me. So why did he say this to Peter? Because Peter was speaking the same language that Satan spoke in the wilderness at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And here's what I mean by that. Satan offered Jesus a kingdom that did not require a cross. And Peter hears Jesus talk about suffering. He says, no, you can't do this. Because he had it in his mind. No, no, this is not how the Messiah's kingdom will be established. Satan offered Jesus a kingdom that did not require a cross. This was way different than God's sovereign plan because he must go to a cross. And Peter is saying, no, you you get a kingdom without a cross. I don't like this. So I'm going to say this again in a different way. If you think something should go differently than God, and then you go against how God says it should go, you are doing the work of evil. You are doing the work of the devil. And sometimes this can happen unintentionally, and sometimes it happens very intentionally. That's why we go here for our guide, because we don't do things that go against what God says. We don't do things that go against God's design. We, we go with God and his sovereign plan. They all had it in their minds what a Messiah was supposed to do, what a Messiah... What a kingdom of the Messiah was supposed to look like. They had it in their minds. But it did not include what Jesus just told them. Wait a minute. Suffering? Rejection? Killed? No. The Messiah comes. We take over Rome. We rule the world. I don't like what I just heard. But that was God's sovereign plan. Messiahship required suffering. Messiahship required a cross. So you need to get this this morning. There is no Christianity without a cross. This isn't a thing without a cross. And it was God's sovereign plan. But that's not all. Just like there's no Messiahship without a cross, there is also no discipleship without a cross. 
on, on the surface, what we're getting ready to talk about doesn't put butts in seats in churches. Are you with me? I'm just telling you, so get ready for this. Discipleship and following Jesus requires a cross. Now, before we get into this, can we just stop and remember who God is? Because he's going to tell us this. But let's remember Jesus and who he is. And specifically, can we reflect on the character of God before we look at this? Meaning, he's in control, but that he is abounding in steadfast love. Like that is who he is. So when we hear this, we need to understand and see it that way. As Jesus goes in to verse 34 and 35 right here. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Wait, deny himself. Is there anything further away from our natural instinct than to deny ourselves? Is there anything more countercultural than to deny ourselves? But he didn't stop there. He said he must take up his cross. This is the first time Jesus mentions a cross in his ministry. It's the first time we hear of a cross. Now listen, if, you, if you're new to Hill City, we'll talk about scripture and what we'll do is we'll be like, okay, we're reading this passage in context, so we have to see what this meant in their town. We first have to see what this meant in their town. And then after that, then we can come to our town and see how this applies to us, okay? So first century Palestine, listen, when, we, when they would have heard, take up your cross, we have to understand this would have freaked them out. It would have been almost similar to me getting up here and saying the F word. You'd be floored. How dare, what? You would walk out. A cross. What, what would happen when they hear, take up your cross? This was an instrument of horror. There were zero necklaces in the day with crosses on them in the first century. Are you with me? They didn't do that. An instrument of horror, unspeakable torment, shame like none of us have ever experienced, embarrassment, rejection. Oh, and at the end of all that, inevitably, you would die. Horrible, horrible death. And Jesus is very clear here. Following me is going to cost you. But we do a great disservice if we don't see the grace in this verse. Oh, it's so full of grace. Jesus will rescue me from my sin, yes, 
But he's saying deny yourself. Listen, we'll talk about this in a minute. But don't, don't miss it. Jesus rescues me from me. Hill City. Visitors of Hill City. Anybody that's in the room. But listen, I'm, I'm a shepherd to Hill City. I'm a shepherd to those of you who call Hill City home. So I really want to talk to you, okay? Have you counted the cost of following Jesus? Like, what, what is cross carrying anyway? So, so let's come to our town, right? Because what is cross carrying for you and for me? And I want to say this gently, I want to say this lovingly. Because I know there are stories really, really close to hearts in this room. I want to start with what cross-carrying isn't. Are you ready? It's not miscarriages. It's not infertility. It's not cancer. It's not tragedies of life. And here's how I know that. Lost people suffer from those things. This isn't what Jesus is talking about. While those hurt, that isn't what Jesus is talking about. Listen, so, so, so now let's come to our town here. What is happening all over the world? By our town, I mean the world, and we'll hone it in on, on maybe Springfield, okay? But all over the world, Christians, people who follow Jesus actually suffer. We don't even, we don't even fathom this. Like, it's gravy train here. Let me just give you some 2022 data points. 6,175 people were arrested and put in jail without trial, just because they followed Jesus. 3,829 people were kidnapped just because they were preaching the gospel. 5,898 people were killed because they said, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, I'm sharing the gospel, I read my Bible. They were killed on this planet. We don't know any of them, likely. Like that's not even, yes, that is 2022 on the planet, that's not even close to Springfield, Missouri. So what's happening here? Because no one's dying, no one's being put in jail. What, what is our suffering? What might carrying a cross look like for you and for me? Let me just pose some questions. Some people suffer relationally. Some people may suffer professionally. Both. I know we have a lot of young people here. Um, there are people here, and you're, you're dating. You're dating someone. And here's what has to happen. You need to break up with that person you're dating. And here's the reality. You are in love. And I mean, like, literally, truly in love. You love this person. You've been dating them, and you love them. You're in love with them. Here's the problem. They aren't following Jesus, and you are following Jesus. That means this. It's over. It's over. And that's a burden, that's suffering, that you would have to go to someone that you love and say, I can't be with you anymore because I follow Jesus. And for you, it's going to crush your heart. And that's a cross, that's a suffering that you must go through because you are going to obey your king. 
Some of you are married, and you're married to an unbeliever, and you don't get that option. It's just that you have to love and represent Jesus in your home in such a way that you might win your spouse to Jesus. And I know it's lonely. And at times you suffer. This is what God's word says. Some of you, for the rest of your life, you're going to live with this weird disconnect from your family. I mean, you're going to be there at Christmas. You're going to be there at Thanksgiving. But there's a weird disconnect. And they don't respect you. And they think a little they, they keep you at arm's length just because you are following Jesus. And they think you're crazy. And they're going to just be like this. And, and, and listen, the relationship isn't going to be like it used to be before you follow Jesus. And it hurts And it's not going to stop hurting. But you're following Jesus. Some of you are same-sex attracted. But you're following Jesus. And you know, because of what his word says, that that's something that you're not going to ever be able to act upon. Because you're following Jesus. Jesus. And I've spoken to people. They, they live this. They love Jesus. They, they love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and their strength. And, it, and it's a bit of suffering. It hurts. But they know. they got to follow Jesus. Some of you will not participate in some extracurricular activities, specifically with coworkers or even, better yet, customers. And it's going to cost you literally thousands of dollars. And for some of you, it may cost you your job. But you follow Jesus, so you don't do that. Some of you will rightly refuse to wear something that you have been asked to wear because it promotes or it celebrates something that flies directly in the face of God's design. And by not wearing and promoting that, it will cost you. And I could give you case after case after case And in every one of them, it's going to take some courage. It's actually going to take losing to save. You must lose your life in order to save it. You must lose your life for the sake of the gospel. Now, when you see that verse, for whoever would save his life will lose it. That word life is where we get our English word. The, the word life that's used in the Greek here is where we get our English word psyche. You must lose your psyche in order to gain it. In other words, this is an identity word, it's the thing that makes us us. My psyche is the thing that makes me, me, my sense of self. 
And listen, if I establish or if I measure dignity, value, and worth the way that the world measures it, I lose. And so do you. I must lose my psyche in order to save it. What is it that I should lose? What is it? Everything, including the very things that make me, me. I surrender to Jesus and his ways because he is my king. Everything that makes me, me, I say, it's not me. It's not mine. I'm going to lose it. Jesus, it's yours. Let's evaluate. Let's be honest with yourself. Where is it that your obedience has been limited? Like, what is it that compromises your followership of your king? Let me just give you an example. Let me, just, let me just try to make this. Some of us live our Christian lives the same way we just operate our everyday lives, specifically as we, uh, I, so I go to Lowe's, right? And I get grass seed and I get light bulbs and all the stuff. And it's like, man, I, yes, I need this. This is good. They, they do a good job over there, right? And then I give them some money and they seem to be pretty happy about taking my money. And I give them money and they give me stuff and it's a great exchange. Like, this is good. I like this operation. This is how we work. I do it at Chick-fil-A. Same thing all the time. Okay? But listen, that's not what our Christian lives look like. I mean, like, God is not Chick-fil-A. God is not Lowe's. We don't come say, I'm going to give you this. Now you give me that. Are you with me? Okay, now some of you are like, yeah, I don't do that. Okay, like, man, I sacrifice to the Lord all the time. Like, yeah, but so, so, so maybe it's like, God, here's my life, but we, we, we give God our lives uh, in, the, in the form of a gift card. Dang, I love gift cards. Like, Bass Pro gift cards are my favorite. And here's the thing about a gift card, man. No matter what, you give me a $50 one, give me a $100 one. If you give me a $50 one, I'm going to Bass Pro, I'm spending $60. I got to get $10 of my own money. But, but here's the reality. It's like a gift card says, okay, you, here's, go, spend, go spend this, but only up to this amount. And then after that, I'm out. And some of you are pretty proud because you come to the Lord and you're like, Lord, here you go. Here you go. But only up to this amount. I don't crop. Listen, I can't get to there, but, but look. And Jesus is saying this, always abounding in steadfast love. He knows what's best for us. Are you with me? And here's what he's saying. Young people, you may not get this, but just stay with me. Jesus is saying it's a blank check or it's nothing at all. My life is a blank check to Christ. City, I beg you, I beg you, listen, we have no tricks up our sleeves, we are straight, please count the cost before you follow Jesus.
That's a loving thing to ask you to do. Jesus is asking for full devotion. So listen, I, I say this a lot. I, I gave my life to Christ a long time ago. I gave it to him. When he tells me to get out of this job, to go do this job, that's what I do. When he tells me you don't do this, but you do this, that's what I do. Because I gave my life to Christ a long time ago. Have you given your life to Christ? Not a little piece of it. Some of you have given Sundays to Christ. So what? Is your life been given to Christ? Marginal devotion. Here's what it looks like in Springfield, Missouri. Marginal devotion to Jesus, it's common, it's in this room, uh, and I'm not trying to be mean, I just, listen, we have to say these things, I'm going to follow Jesus because I think it will make my marriage better, it's going to help my kids out a little bit, like, and, I, and, and listen, he's going to take me to heaven when I die, but that's as far as I would really want to take it. That's not followership. Are those things true? Yes, but if that's all it is, that's not followership, You have to hear this. You have to hear this. At some point, following Jesus is going to cost you. How unloving would it be if I didn't tell you that? At some point in your life, it's going to cost you. You are eventually going to be faced with the moment, and it's going to require you to stand with Jesus. It's going to require you to stand on the truth of his word, and doing that will cost you. Will you do it, Hill City? Will you have the courage to do it? And you can do it, but you can only do it by his spirit. Here's what this might look like. Listen, some of you some of you are going to you're going to sell your homes, you're going to move to a new city where we are going to plant a church where there's a major university. And I know some of you hear this, you're like you're talking to college students. I'm not talking to college students. There are adults in this room that you got to sell your house, you got to go to the city where we're planting a church and your family's going to think you've lost your mind. Grandma and grandpa is going to be mad at you. You're taking my grandbabies away. And you got to say, I know, but I'm following Jesus. You can come visit. I'm going to give you the address. And it's going to cost you. Some of you, here we go. This will be the last Sunday for some of you. Some of you haven't spent a dime on the Great Commission. And it's true. I'm just telling you, it's true. We can, we can measure a sense of followership by looking at financial statements. It's just the reality. I know a bunch of you don't like to hear it. Listen, are you spending your money, your time, your talents, are you spending them on loving God, loving others, and making disciples? And today's not for this sermon. I'm telling you, we have some incredibly generous people here at Hill City. But reality, we're not a very generous church. I'm not saying that to be mean. I just, I'm a, tr I'm, you know what I do for a living? I tell the truth. So we got to evaluate this. Jesus wants everything. And I know that he wants everything because the next few questions that he asks, these are deep, deep questions that we must ponder. Stay with me, verse 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? 
Now listen, I grew up in the church, small town, and, and, and by the way I remember it, this sermon was always like, it seems like this passage was always preaching, it's like, and they would hammer rich and famous people. And I'm looking around in my hometown, and I'm like, I'm not seeing any of this. Like, I don't see rich people, I don't see famous people, I sure don't see rich and famous people. And so here's what would happen, okay? It, so, so it's a great sermon to send a bunch of poor, unknown people out of church feeling really good about themselves. Well, great, I'm not rich and famous, I'm doing it right. Maybe not. Maybe not. So I don't want to minimize, like, gain the whole world to just money. Because the reality is, like, listen, you, gotta, you need to invest your money. You need to prepare for the future financially. You just read Proverbs. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some wisdom there. Don't be a fool. Gain, gain the whole, like, what is your whole world? That's what I want you to ask. What is your whole world? Now I'm going to really get in some mama's brains here. I've, I've seen the post. Picture of the family, my whole world on the post, right? This my whole world right here. Be careful. What's it profit? What does it profit a mama if she gains the whole world and loses her soul? Jesus is your savior, not junior. What is it? Do you build your identity on things, gaining things, on what you would call your whole world? So here is our, here is our reality. This is our town, real stuff. People bid their, they, they, they build their identity on, on the goods that they can acquire. Or maybe it's not the goods, but it's the greatness that people can think of them. Or sometimes it's the goods and the greatness. I'll keep going. They build their identity on possessions. Or maybe it's not the possessions, but it's the praise of men. Or maybe it's both. Or let's keep going. Maybe it's the funds that they can get put in their account. Or maybe it's, it's the followers that they can get on Instagram. Or maybe they build their lives and their identity on the assets that they get. Or maybe it's not the assets, it's the approval of men or maybe it's both but this is our reality this is what we live in is that you I want you to hear the kind voice of Jesus this morning please hear the kind voice of Jesus right here he is saying in this passage you can have all that you can have the whole world and it still won't make you sure of who you are. Only I can do that. He loves us. He loves you. And he's telling us this morning, only I can do that. And when this truth hits our hearts, this reality that we can take up our cross, we can follow him, we can deny ourselves, when this reality that there's nothing to profit outside of following Jesus there's nothing worth losing our soul. When that hits our hearts, there's nothing that is more freeing. And some of you are walking around in bondage because it hasn't hit your hearts. Just imagine this. Just imagine this being your life. I follow Jesus. I do it his way. Oh, and I fail all the time. But when I do, I run right back to him. I love his laws. I love his statutes. I love his ways. I love his design. And I'm not even mad about it. 
and I'm not sorry about it. Because he's sovereign and he knows best. And it's in this light that I can say no to things and I can say yes to things and I can just be free. And I pray that this hits your hearts. And here's what I know about this final verse. That even if you're not following Jesus, you know this is true. That's why you're here. Even if you're not following Jesus, you know what I'm getting, to read, getting ready to read is true. Why? Because he put eternity in your hearts. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Listen, real quick. You know what we have to stop doing? We have to stop talking about God like he's some grumpy old dude up in heaven that made some rules a long time ago and, and apologizing for him. Listen, I know this is in the Bible. I didn't write it like he did. How, listen, that's shameful. I know this is in the Bible, and I love it. And God knows best. Okay, listen, I've been guilty of this. Like, I'll say things like, man, I'm just, I'm just a mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. No, I love the daggum mail. Like, I have to talk about giving, and I'm not sorry about it. It's, it's in the mail, and I love it. Are you with me? We... Whoever's ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation. I'm not sorry about God's design for marriage. I love it. It actually causes society to flourish. I'm not sorry about it. He's not either. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. I don't apologize for it. I love it. Do you? I mean, I could, I could keep going. We've just got example after example. Here's the great delusion of humanity. Are you ready? Here's the great delusion is that we think we are in control. And we're not. Why are you here? Literally, like why did you get up, get a shower, most of you, and you come to church? Why are you here? I'm glad you're here. Fired up about it. Be a lot more coming in behind you. I'm, I love it. But, but, but listen, some of us are still treating our lives like our lives belong to us, and they don't. Some of us are just following Jesus marginally, and it's like, I can do this Sunday church thing, we're good. That's, that's good. Let me just tell you the destination. I'm just going to tell you where it's headed. You may not feel this right now. But if you're not taking up your cross, you're not denying yourself, you're still living under delusion that you're in control, I'm just going to tell you prophetically where this ends up. Dissatisfaction. Discouragement. Deceived. And dead. There's no life in that. 
And Jesus went to a cross so that doesn't have to be our reality. Jesus' kingdom required a cross. I want you to stand with me. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just hear Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which it is called is the Word of God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. My kingdom is not of this world. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called the chosen and faithful. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. My kingdom is not of this world. And Father, we're here in this place, and I'm begging that you would move on hearts in this place. For those people who are still on bondage, who want stuff, who want praise of men, who have not denied themselves, they've not taken up their cross. Lord, will you move on their hearts and free them? Someone in here doesn't know you. They've not passed from death to life. Move on that heart and save them. Do this by your spirit. Do this in the name of your son. Amen.